You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I mean, I- I've been in better head states as far as talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, like after after seeing the Bucks lose gasp a second straight game, I mean, I- I'm glad that you, you uh, were able to record a podcast without me because... I'm I'm just at the point where I I mean I can barely talk after they lose any game, um, in spite of the fact that I have years of experience writing and talking about the Bucks after losing many games in a row. Uh, but you know um, things things change quickly. Your your expectations rise quickly, and obviously the Bucks have established uh, much higher expectations this year. So um, yeah, pretty frustrating to lose to the Suns. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I thought you know the memory of of that first Suns loss. You'd, you'd hope that would somehow, you know, have that intangible motivating factor that, um, that you know, you, a coach can't just sort of um, inspire in you just by giving you a, a locker room talk, you know, but um, couldn't inspire them to just make jump shots. And obviously <laughs> uh, the Bucks just didn't make shots and just felt like they, they gave up on attacking the basket. Like if they ever saw like a second body, it was just like, oh, no, give up. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just obviously whatever. I don't, I don't think there's any panic buttons being pushed, but, um, you know, as I, I really want the bucks to get the one seed. I think it's really important. They get the one seed. Um, and you know, things remain pretty, pretty tight in spite of the fact that the bucks have been clearly the best team in the East and really the best team in the league in, you know, as far as like their, their advantage over the Raptors in the East. Yeah. Um, (laughs) it's been kind of interesting to, watch this season and um you know watch bucks fans quickly uh spoiled is not the right word but you know quickly get used to winning um and i just remember like obviously last night going through like the locker room and you know talking to brooke lopez and being like you know this is kind of a weird thing to say because you guys have just lost two games in a row but you know is is this like the adversity you guys haven't really seen the whole year and Brooke like kind of thought about it. He's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it's, it's kind of weird to say uh, that, you know, we just lost two games in a row for the first time um, all season this late in the year. And he's like, it doesn't feel like he's like, it, he's like, it doesn't feel like uh, we're panicked or, uh, you know, like our backs are against the ball or anything. So I guess it, it doesn't really feel like adversity, but, you know, maybe that's what it is for for this team. Like when you are this good, and he's he, he just said, like, I'm sure we're gonna get back on the right track and, and and get a win in the next one. But you know, I guess that's that's kind of what this feels like. And you know, I was talking to Eric Bledsoe and asked you know something similar, and he was just like, you know, like 
we're not going to win every game. Like this, this, this can't happen. Um, and that isn't to say either of those guys were given excuses or anything. Like both of them said they didn't play hard enough. They weren't focused enough. And, you know, they, they gave away a game that they should have won. Um, so there was no excuses being made, but you know, it is, I think in many ways, difficult to conceptualize just exactly what, what any of this means. And, you know, is a, is a two game losing streak time to, uh, you know, press the panic button and try to figure out what's going on with the team. Like, is that what you do if the team wins or is on pace to win, you know, 60 plus games? Maybe. I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, I think it's fair to be a little concerned just in the sense that, you know, I mean, the goal is to win a championship. I mean, it's kind of weird to say out loud, you know, but the goal is to win the East, to go to the finals and, you know, again, I, I'm not, not going to act like they're going to be favorites no matter how many games they win over the Warriors. But, um, but you know, I mean, the, the standard is so high that obviously any any indication that the Bucks might be, you know, slipping from that, you know, uber elite best team in the league standard that we're so used to, um, you know, it, I think it's only natural to kind of feel like, oh, man, like what, what is there some cosmic significance here um, in terms of, you know, are, are they slipping from, from that very high perch, you know, because um, I think we're at the point, I mean, it, if you lose in the East finals, it's, it's not going to be satisfying, you know, like it's going to be disappointing. Um, if you, you know, gasp uh, loss before then it, it'd be disappointing. So, um, you know, high standards are a good thing, right? I think this franchise more than certainly any other, well, I guess the Brewers would, would also be probably in that category, but you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, cursed by low expectations, right? I think this, this team and the fan base has had such low expectations for so long that I think it kind of became, you know, there was kind of like a loser's mindset to, to, you know, a lot of things about the franchise. And so for, um, you know, to, to have high standards, I think it's just a matter of balancing, like, you know, you're going to have a game or two where you just hit a banana peel or, um, you know, you just play like crap or can't shoot straight or whatever. And, um, you know, I think the Utah game does not, you know, does not fit into the bucket of, Oh, they weren't focused or they played like crap or whatever. I think, I mean, it's frustrating that you had a 90 to 73 fourth quarter lead and you blew it. Right. Like there's no, there's no doubt about that. Like that's, that's the one thing about that game that really frustrates me. Um, but the, the fact that they lose, you know, in Utah playing basically like four power forwards at all times, cause they didn't have any point guards. Um, you know, uh, it's hard to complain too much about that game, right? Like I, we, I mean, I, I was going into that game as emotionally prepared for a loss as any game this season. You know, I mean, we, we talked about thinking Giannis probably wouldn't even play cause you know, almost like what's the point of wasting him, um, in a game where you don't have <laughs> all these guys missing and back to back with his knee and all that other crap. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. Like I, I was totally prepared for a loss and obviously then Giannis plays and they get off to that crazy start with the big lineup and, you know, then they stretch the lead, they come back. I mean, you know, it looks like, okay, then they're on the verge of getting blown out in that second quarter. Um, so, you know, to, to kind of come back from that and then even take that big lead in the fourth quarter was great, but obviously, you know, you ultimately want to close these games out. And, um, you know, unfortunately it seemed like as soon as Giannis went to the bench, um, they just got, got taken apart. Um, or at least the, <laughs> the taking apart started and, you know, they just couldn't stop anybody, uh, in particular Donovan Mitchell down the stretch. So, I mean, you know, again, like 
it'd be one thing if they got you know blown out two straight games or something like that. But ultimately, we're talking about you know a shorthanded loss to a good team in a great building in Utah. Um, you know, seeing Giannis dominate Rudy Gobert was kind of worth it just to show that you know yeah Giannis <laughs> is uh, still capable of looking physically every bit as dominating as he ever has. Um, and then with Phoenix, you know, again Phoenix sucks. I don't know how they're as bad as they are. Obviously, I have not seen them much outside of the two box games. I mean, it's not like they're talentless or something like that. So the fact that this is a team that has lost 17 straight games is kind of strange. Obviously, they've had some injuries and different things going on, and they're not really that interested in winning games. Um, but uh, I don't know. It is it is kind of weird that that team can't be at least a little bit more functional. Um yeah. But, I mean, what do you do? You're the best team in the league, and the only team you've lost twice to is the worst team in the league. I mean, it it, it defies any sort of explanation. And, um, you know, I think, again, it's not like you showed up listless and, you know, didn't try and lost by 20 or something like that. You know, I mean, ultimately, you had every chance to win the game, and you just couldn't make shots, and you couldn't get stops, and, you know, you lose a fairly close game. So, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to, lose some annoying games. I mean, you know, I guess in the grand scheme of things, these are um, accept- acceptable ways to lose, if I could put it that way, or at least not, you know, losses or, or you know, they're they're not, I would say that the, what we're seeing from them is not symptomatic of some team that has some fundamental flaw, you know. Um, obviously, you, you hope that, you know, some of the injury stuff does not become something that bugs them you know, longer term, obviously, you know, Giannis not getting a day off after the, the um, Bulls game and, you know, playing normal minutes over the weekend and on Monday is encouraging. You know, you just sort of cross your fingers that he's going to stay off that injury report, even if maybe he gets a, a load management day here or there on back-to-backs. And, you know, we haven't, we didn't, didn't talk at all about Bragdon, but I mean, the fact that he's been now held out a couple times with plantar fasciitis is arguably, you know, I mean, that that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of concerning. I mean, plantar fasciitis is not something that you just kind of get a day or two off and then you're, you're done. Right. I mean, that's something that sticks presumably, yeah, presumably that's not going to go away until the summer. So, you know, that hasn't really shown in the way he's played. Um, and I don't have the box in front of me. I think I mean, he was, was he the only guy who played, <laughs> played well in, in Phoenix? It felt like, um, so hopefully that continues. Obviously he's had some big games of late and, you know, played a really important role in some of these wins they've had. So, um, you know, hopefully there's no, hopefully it doesn't dramatically affect him, but by the same token, it's like, it's gotta, gotta affect him a little bit. Right. So, um, you know, again, I think it's just a matter of staying healthy and, um, you know, I think, I think Indiana's a, a very good, good test on, on Thursday, just because, um, obviously that's a team that we know the Bucks can beat, but they're going to have to get up for that game. And if, if, you know, if they lay an egg offensively again or something like that, I mean, Pacers are definitely a team that, that can punish them. So um, a good litmus test for the Bucks, And, you know, unfortunately also a game that they could easily lose and lose three straight. So, um, you know, that would obviously be a bit of a, a gut check. Um, but, uh, you know, again, hopefully kind of the quality that they've shown all year kind of kind of shines through. And, uh, you know, again, hopefully nobody, you know, a couple days off for the first time in seemingly a few weeks, right? Getting an extra day off. Hopefully that also... Um, does some wonders for uh, obviously a lot of guys kind of nursing some uh, some injuries here of late. Yeah, it it we Kane and I didn't talk a lot about the Utah game, but you know I think it's it's sort of interesting to think about because this whole season we've talked about 
uh, you know, like the idea of MVP moments and narrative points and, and all of this stuff. Right. And in my head, like I was kind of thinking as I was watching that game, like, Ooh, back to back 40 point game in Utah. Like, again, I know that's not a, a glamorous city to do it in. Um, but you know, you you kind of put together a performance like that, and that that can be one of those like games that people point to where it's like, oh, Giannis is MVP because of this. And again, I think we've we've made it pretty clear that those things shouldn't necessarily matter. Like we've stated Giannis's MVP case before, and, and think it's pretty strong. But uh, I did think that was in my head as that game was happening. It was like you know if they could hold hold off the jazz super shorthanded and you know this is what you could say in in response to oh you know james harden does it with so few guys out there and there's Giannis playing with four power forwards the whole game like okay yeah Gian- can do that too he doesn't do it every night because the team is more talented than that but uh you know i was kind of thinking like oh that that could have been that game uh so it is unfortunate the bucks dropped that one um, for that reason, which, you know, is a bad reason for us to think about MVP or anything like that. But, um, you know, I did think, uh, as it was going on that that could have been that. And then, yeah, in Phoenix, I, I don't think there's, there's anything to be like, uh, the, the Suns haven't figured out the bucks or something like that. Like there's not, uh, I, I don't think there's anything about the Suns that suggests like, Oh, they do these things against the Bucks, and that's how you beat the Bucks. And other teams can replicate it. Like I just think uh, there was two games where the Bucks didn't didn't totally take care of business against the Suns and ended up dropping them. And I, I would agree with you. I am very curious how they're as bad as they are. Um, you know, because uh, I I'm generally pretty okay with Devin Booker's game. I think it continues to get better. DeAndre Ayton. Uh, really impressed me last night. Uh, you know, I thought the defense he played on Giannis, again, no one stops Giannis or shuts Giannis down or does anything like that. But, you know, his combination of size and strength and agility, um, you know, there was a couple times where he did make it difficult for Giannis at the rim or, you know, was able to get a little physical with him and keep him away from getting easy lands. Uh, there was that one play early where Giannis kind of turned over his or turned it over his right shoulder and was going to, you know, kind of throw one of those hammer dunks down. I thought with his left hand, like one of the ones where he just like palms it and, you know, uses the off arm to shove the guy away and throw it on eight. And, and he had to turn it into a hook shot and he missed it. And again, you still gave up a three foot hook shot to Giannis and, that that's a shot that he hits a lot of the time, but in that situation he missed. It. And then, you know, there was another uh, attempt Giannis had at the rim in the fourth quarter where he ended up missing it on, on a right hand layup attempt, and Aiden, Aiden was able to keep him away. And um, you know, I yeah, I agree with you, Frank. I don't know how they're quite that bad, but again, I've watched them maybe five times on the season. The two times they've played Milwaukee, and maybe if I've caught them other times, but. Um, so yeah, I can't really speak to that, but there to me there wasn't anything there that was like, oh, no, that's that's why they give the Bucks so many problems. It, it was just like, and I tweeted it out last night, but you know, if if Middleton, Lopez, Bledsoe, and Miritich go twelve of fifty three in any game, 
I, I I don't even know which team you'd have to play to not lose it. Like that that's just going to be really difficult because that means you're going to have to have kind of superhuman performances from someone else, or you know you're really going to have to have somebody pick you up, and uh, that just wasn't the case last night. So. It, Nothing there. I, I think the only thing bigger picture is injuries. You mentioned Brogdon. Um, I think in the last little while, we've seen kind of the effect that not having George Hill on the floor has had on this Bucks team. Like that they've had to go to bigger lineups or no point guard lineups. Um, I think there's been times where uh, last night it would have made sense that, okay, uh, Bledsoe struggling from the field, maybe you go with George Hill or Middleton struggling, maybe you go Bledsoe Brogdon Hill. Like there, I think there was spots with the Suns team where you could have gone small uh, with as many guys as they play um, and been able to you know do something a little bit different, differently defensively, um, or you know just have possessions where Malcolm Brogdon wasn't the main defender on on Booker or I mean Pat Connaughton plays twenty minutes, you, you could cut that down a little bit and have more of those minutes go to George Hill and Devin Booker. And I think he's proven that he can be uh, pretty formidable against some of the the league's top guards with his length. So um, to me, if there is one thing that stands out about this stretch uh, of, I don't want to say bad play, but you know, after the all-star break, they go on that three and two road trip and West coast road trips are difficult. And you know, a 600 winning percentage on a West coast road trip, I don't think is, is terrible. Uh, but obviously this team has set different standards and you know, you think you want to win four out of five. So uh, to me, that's, that's the one that's the one kind of thing stand that stands out is, you know, just the, the rotations and, you know, the guys that you're kind of having to take off the floor. And then, you know, you're gonna have to get, you have to get weird because now you have another big in Pau Gasol. So you're, you're finding minutes for Gasol and Miritich and Ilyasova off the bench. Like it, it just gets, I think more and more difficult and you're doing weirder stuff. And then all of a sudden I, I think, you know, maybe the results go a little bit sideways. Are you, um, I was just thinking as you were kind of finishing up there that I feel like there's a unfortunately um, high probability that I come to be annoyed by the Gasol signing because it's just like a further nail in the DJ Wilson's never going to play coffin. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, hmm. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, we talked about the other day, like how it really didn't, I mean, like it doesn't really make sense for Pau Gasol to play a lot. Uh, against most teams because most teams just don't play yeah. like you know big guys that that would demand having two centers play every night um you know like you know like Rashawn Holmes is like the backup for the Suns like did you need to play Pau Gasol to defend you know Rashawn Holmes no right like the, it's not like you need some big bruising <laughs> body you know some big long body yep. to defend Rashawn Holmes post-ups or something like that right um so I, I don't know it's it's going to be interesting to see just how how Bud kind of manages that um, because, you know, you have a lot of mouths to feed. And, um, you know, Ursan, to his credit, I mean, Ursan's shooting very well since the All-Star break. I think he's hitting like 50% of his threes. I mean, offensively, I, I haven't really had a problem with Ursan at all of late. You know, he seems to be over that kind of post-concussion, you know, shooting, shooting like horrible shooting slump he was in. Um so obviously that's a plus. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, especially defensively, it just seems like seems like there's a lot of um a lot of like Miritich Ilyasova combinations which um which makes sense cuz they're 
they're they're both off the bench Sinks. and it just feels like uh, like defensively this makes me very concerned um especially teams that can get kind of funky and play athletic guys you know especially in some of their kind of second units which again maybe isn't as much of a regular season problem but like i mean if you're playing you know those two guys and the raptors go with like a siakam at center lineup or something like that which maybe is less likely because of the other gasol brother being in toronto um but man that like just does not feel like it's an optimal solution defensively and again like miritich had a couple i think he was bad and i think he didn't i don't think he shot i think he shot poorly in both utah and um i know he shot well shot poorly in phoenix but i think he also shot poorly in utah if i remember correctly one Um, of seven in utah yeah so i mean you know, when, when Meritage isn't shooting and, and being dangerous, obviously, in that capacity, then obviously, you know, it hurts, right? Um, and, you know, fortunately, Urson has been a little bit better offensively and always seems to find his way, like, you know, standing right next to the basket open for guys to hit him. And he does that just catch high, finish high type play. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, again, it's, you know, like you kind of, you, you like to think the last kind of 20 games of the season here, um, offer a little bit of a dress rehearsal for what the playoffs might look like and, you know, figure out some lineups that can work for you in the playoffs. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's really, especially if like Pau Gasol starts getting minutes, like to me, that's really not what you're doing. Um, unless it's maybe if you're practicing the lineups, you might run against like Joel Embiid and Boban or something. Um, so I, I don't know. It's going to be, I think interesting to see how much experimentation kind of continues because <clears throat> as we were talking before the pod, like the defense they played on the Lakers um, and obviously the super big lineup on Saturday. I mean, I think, I don't know. I, I'm ready to retire the whole like, oh, but remember like the Bud's whole, but the whole like, oh, Bud's just going to play his defense and doesn't care, doesn't make, you know, isn't, isn't game planning for teams. Like all that seems like a million <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like going with the big lineup just seemed like a you know how like oh like screw it let's get weird type type thing and I mean it worked in the sense that the starters were terrific with that big group um, but uh, you know I don't know it it obviously speaks to the fact that he's feeling pretty frisky about uh, what he can kind of do and try and um, you know likewise like just begging Rondo to shoot three pointers um, clearly speaks to having a specific game plan, which is especially weird because Rondo's hitting like 38% of his threes this year. So it's like, you know, it's almost like a game plan like that was rooted in the perception of Rondo a few years ago, not so much like what Rondo mm. is now, although it kind of worked for a while, <laughs> you know? Um, he just kept chucking them up there. Yeah, yeah. And eventually he made some, but, you know, I don't know. In, in some ways you can argue it worked just because it like took the Lakers like out of what they normally like to do. Um, but I don't know, like I'm... I'm just very curious, you know, and there's always that question when you watch teams in the regular season that, you know, are, you know, have bigger goals, you know, like people always talk about with pop, like, Oh, he's not going to, you know, he's going to keep, keep stuff is, you know, in his back pocket and what's he really going to do in the playoffs and things like that. And um, I I don't know. I mean, I think with the Bucks, like it's one thing if, you know, Bud had been, has been here for three years and the team is like mostly the same and, you know, he kind of knows what, what he can do and can't do. And guys kind of get kind of like how to, you know, approach different situations. Um, but I feel like we're still kind of, you know, especially with some of the additions like Miritich and to lesser extent Gasol. I mean, we're still a little bit trying to figure out like how all these pieces fit together. So, I mean, you kind of need to experiment a little bit just to see how things work rather than just, you know, like 
oh, we're just not going to run that lineup, which we've never used because that's going to be our secret weapon in the playoffs. Like, I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think you'd take that approach at this point. But um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that that's maybe how I can talk myself into DJ Wilson not being depressed about DJ Wilson's lack of minutes. You know, maybe, maybe Bud is just saving him as his secret weapon in the playoffs. But um, something tells me I might be disappointed if I'm if I'm banking on that. Yeah, to me, that's been, I, I guess it's, it's just been really interesting to hear, you know, when DJ was first starting to get to play, how often Bud mentioned that, how he, how often he mentioned like, oh yeah, you know, we really prize DJ's versatility. We're, you know, really happy that he can play different positions and we can do all these different things. And it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like that that makes a lot of sense that, you know, you're going to try some new stuff with DJ. Um, and then just in the last few weeks, it's been like, uh, let's see what weird stuff we can do with our son. And it's like, do you, do you need to know that? Do you, do you want to do we, know that? Do we need to know if, do we need to know if Urson can stop LeBron James? <laughs> I, like, I, I can't imagine we do, but like, that is something that occurred. And then like in the same thing in that first half, like at, and obviously I asked that uh, question post game to Bud and uh, he made, made it very clear that he did not agree with my assessment that Ursan struggled in the first half of that game. Um, but I thought it was very clear. And, you know, I think it, it's only exacerbated when he's on the floor with Miritich because it's two slow footed guys that are, I mean, sometimes they're the four or five combo, but also sometimes they're like, the four or five combo and then like there's still another big on the floor or technically they're the three four combo and it's like well that that can't work like that that can't be something that you know you want to put out there and i know there was some small sample size success where you know it worked out uh in in utah a little bit and i think maybe even after uh the phoenix game like it's still that lineup still has some some positive numbers but it's just like I get experimenting, but to me, this isn't, to me, this isn't experimenting for the sake of finding out something that you want to use for the playoffs or could use in the playoffs. It's experimenting to get guys run. Like you, you want to get Gasol out there. So, okay, let's throw him out there and, and get him a few minutes and okay, well, you know, we think both Ilyasova and Mirtich are going to need to play in the playoffs. So let's find a way to get Mirtich out there. Let's find a way to get Ursan out there. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, the desire to go small and then have Ursan do things that you would typically associate with DJ Wilson has just been, you know, kind of the weirdest thing to me is that, uh, I understand how much confidence and trust Bud has in Ursan. Like he's, he's exhibited that again and again, and he's made it very clear to me anytime I ask questions about Ursan. So I get it, but, like, if you have that level of trust and confidence, why not try out some of the stuff you don't have trust and confidence in? Like, uh, are you just going to be able to throw DJ Wilson in in the playoffs when he hasn't played in a month? Like, I know Thon was okay in that role um, and found a way to do that when when it was playoff Thon time uh, the last couple of years. But I don't know if you're you're going to be ready to throw DJ Wilson in that. I think back to that Oklahoma City game where I thought you know Oklahoma City's athleticism was too much for DJ and he looked kind of overmatched. And he's bounced back since and, and had good games against playoff teams. But uh, that is kind of a, a weird thing to me. And uh, you know I think it's going to be. 
it'll be interesting to watch if when George Hill gets healthy again, if the experimentation goes to like the guard side of things again, if it, you know, goes small again, like, uh, I, I, I'm very curious to watch how all of these moving parts get used, get manipulated, get experimented with, like how all of these guys kind of fit in and, you know, how many minutes Bud feels he needs to play any of these people. Because, uh, I mean, I understand that Pau Gasol is, is not the player that he once was, but, you know, you just had a Hall of Famer decide that he wants to ring chase with your team. And again, I don't I don't know what that agreement looks like or what he thinks is going to happen going in. But, you know, if if you're a buyout candidate and, you know, you try to work out a buyout with the Spurs because you're unhappy with your basketball situation, I would assume you think that you're going to be happier with your basketball situation when you come to Milwaukee. And I would assume that, you know, all the parties involved would want to keep Gasol somewhat happy. And I'm not saying that means he's going to play 20 minutes a night, but, you know, I do think that means at least some, and, you know, that just keeps pushing DJ down. And I mean, even it might even have to push Ursan down. Uh, I guess maybe it pushes Miritich. Like it, it's just interesting. Uh, I think we definitely thought that uh, a, an insurance policy for uh, going up against Joel Embiid and, you know, Brooke Lopez getting in foul trouble or getting hurt was something that you needed. But, you know, as we talked about it, we made it very clear. It was only an insurance policy. Like you didn't actually need a, I don't even know what number big that is. Fifth big, sixth big. Like you didn't, you didn't actually need that. Like it's just another option to have. So uh, I don't know. It's going <laughs> to, it's going to be really interesting to watch. Uh, Ursan and Nico lineups without Giannis. Uh, our plus 13.1 net rating in 70 possessions. So we're still very much in small sample theater. Um, but the funny part is how they are getting to plus 13.1 uh, net rating. Uh, they have uh, an offensive rating of 157. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And a defensive rating of 144. <laughs> So. That feels that the defense part feels right. I don't know if the offense part of that feels right, but the defense part of that definitely feels right. So uh, I don't. So basically, the offense is um, the Warriors playing against uh, a bunch of um, you know third graders or something. I don't know what the analogy would be, <laughs> and uh, the defense is um, the Warriors playing against a bunch of fourth graders or slightly older kids, I guess. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I, 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 I know. I don't know. I don't really know what direction to take. I think, I think though it's, um, I think the interesting thing is that, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that Bud has discovered like some big lineup that, that he loves or something like that. Um, but I think generally the fact that he has been able to get away with these lineup, these kind of jumbo lineups, um, I think that does bear bear watching, and you know whether that's Brooke plus Giannis plus one of the the big guys, uh, one of you know the the big doofy uh, white European guys, or um, or you know Miritich and Ilyasova and Ursan or whatever it might be, right? Um, I think that that could be something that I mean I'd be I'd be shocked if we just didn't see any jumbo lineups at all in the playoffs mm-hmm. um, because I think it has. We've seen it enough, and it has been weirdly effective enough that it just seems like something that will, you know, come back to um, to, to to be be used somewhere. 
And obviously, you know, the fact that you've got all these big guys, I mean, you know, and again, as you, as you said, I mean, obviously right now it's somewhat um, a necessity in that, uh, in that the Bucks have just fewer, uh, fewer small guys available. And, you know, the other end in Utah, they had basically none. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it'll be, I think that's, it's, it bears watching. Cause obviously if these things are working now, then, I mean, um, you know, I don't think he's going to forget them. Um, but, but it is also interesting because I think the interesting thing is that when he's gone big, that's been sort of the impetus for some of his more switchy lineups, you know, yeah. like, you know, like I just think of that Indiana game where they went with, you know, like the, um, what was it? Brooke, Ursan and Giannis down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And they were like switching high pick and rolls. Cause like why send, you know, a big over, over a screen and roll against when another, you know, even if the other big is defending him. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. It's kind of weird, right? Like you always think like, oh, go small so you can switch everything. And instead the Bucks of like, they go big and then switch everything so that, you know, they can't be as easily taken advantage of that way. But um, yeah, it's it's just sort of a, a, an interesting sort of thing. I mean, you know, and we, we've seen those those kind of um, the Giannis, Ursan, Brooke. I mean, we've seen that since game one of the season, I think. Um, so it's not like that in and of itself is, is some shocking thing. But um but yeah, it'll be interesting to see just just like is that a matchup that they like against anybody, um, or or kind of how is it used? I I wouldn't be surprised. Um, just trying to think about some of like the different teams that that they might be going against. I mean, um, you know, I think I, it'd be curious. Um, I'm trying to remember what how they how, like the lineups they used against uh, OKC, right? Where they were kind of just like physically kind of pushed around a lot. Mm-hmm. If if that might be the kind of team where they might go bigger because they feel like they got pushed around a little bit and um and you know the, the extra kind of physicality might be something that, that bud likes but uh but anyway interesting interesting topic to uh, to continue to watch as the season progresses all right we're gonna do this all again tomorrow because the bucks do not play until thursday that is Should uh we do a mailbag tomorrow whew. yeah let's do it uh we will do a mailbag tomorrow as always there's gonna so be you- there's gonna be so much by the way i I feel like I should acknowledge, I mean, you mentioned like basically everyone not named Malcolm Brogdon kind of sucked against the Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Middleton was obviously, I mean, what he missed his last 12 shots or something like that. I think he made his yeah. first one and then missed his last 12. Obviously that's terrible. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to peak. Don't pay Chris Middleton <laughs> in our questions tomorrow. Um, yep. There's going to be plenty uh, of those. There's going to be a lot of that. Um, a lot of spite. The Bucks could win a championship, and there will be people who will just be like so pissed off if Chris Middleton gets paid. <laughs> like people are just going to be like, "Screw him! Play Tony Snell and Sterling Brown. Don't pay quick Chris Middleton. Break up the championship team on general principle. He will not be the second Michael Red. You know, whatever. Anyway." <laughs> All right. Yes, uh, we can save that discussion for tomorrow. Yeah, we we will get some of those questions for sure. As always, send the questions into at Locked On Bucks. Uh, that way, it makes it easier for us to collect them and make sure that we get to them. If you just send them to Frank or I, typically we can you know kind of try to get them all together. But it's just easier if you send them to at Locked On Bucks. Uh, also, a reminder. It will just be a one-day podcast, uh, so we might not get to all of them. So bring your best stuff. I will say that. Bring bring it 
or uh, you know, maybe your question won't get answered. We try also, to answer all of them all the time, but it'll just be way too long if we answer all of those for a one-day podcast. Yeah, also lockedonbucks at gmail.com since not everyone um, yes. wastes their life away on Twitter with us. Um, for those of you who have <laughs> normal social lives outside of Twitter, um, and by the way, heart you Twitter friends because we love Twitter too. But uh, if you're not a, a, a Twitterer, um, feel free to shoot us an email at lockedonbucks at, uh, at gmail.com. Yeah, if you're not one of Frank's tweets, uh, go ahead and, and do that. Uh, <laughs> that's an in-joke. Hey, everyone. Hope you listen. Um, all right, that's going to be it for us for today. We'll do a mailbag tomorrow. For Frank, man, I'm Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.